Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman, and we are here for a Game 3 preview, looking at the Braves as they head to face the Philadelphia Phillies at Citizens Bank Park with the NLDS tied 1-1. to And back at it with me is one of my favorites when it comes to Braves coverage, you can find him at B underscore outliers on Twitter. Stephen Tolbert. Stephen, how are you, sir? What's up, Sean? It's always good to be on with you, buddy. Yeah, it's a, it's a much better scenario than if they had lost today. Obviously, being 1-1, or lost yesterday, excuse me. Uh, obviously, being 1-1 is, um, you know, you'd rather be 2-0. But honestly, you know, the Phillies beat Max Free, The Braves beat Zach Wheeler. So I, I think both teams are kind of comfortable where, where they are. Um, and so it's going to be a really fun series. It's a best of three at this point. Absolutely. And then, you know, we've got plenty to break down here. Of course, you can find myself on the daily hammer. You can find Steven along with Chris Willis on the podcast to be named later. Plus the battery power podcast and the road to Atlanta podcast, all of this great content available at batterypower.com at battery power SBN across all forms of social media, free on all podcast platforms. Just hit that subscribe button whenever you get your content, wherever you get your content. So, Stephen, let's jump right into it. So, series tied one-to-one. And obviously, no, I'm going to be honest with you, but wasn't, wasn't too fun to see game one. But when you really start to break down these two games in, into segments, and this may not be that valuable way to look at it, but I believe it's Eric, Eric Langenhagen, Langenhagen from, from Fangraphs kind of pointed this point out. I think it's a valid point. Besides... The, the, the performance, the unexpected performance from Max Raiden, as he said, there weren't really any excuses. Outside of that, the Braves have have pretty much handled their business over the past game and a half. Eight, eight runs to one for the Braves versus the Phillies over the last 14 innings. And for as much as you didn't expect, you know, the, the negatives from Max Reed start, probably no one expected Kyle Wright to be as awesome as he was in game two or the Braves to get the job done against Wheeler. But I know the series is tied 1-1, but I think with how things are trending, the Braves have to feel pretty good, especially after the game one result. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Brad talked about this a little bit uh, on the recap last night, but the, you know, the betting markets moved pretty drastically after, you know, after before game one, the Braves were the favorite, then they lose game one. And obviously the Phillies become the favorite, especially since they have Wheeler and Nola lined up for games two and three. but you know, the Braves beat Wheeler and that changes a lot of things because now unless they bring Wheeler back on short rest then he's done for the series. So, um, you know, and beating him changes the equation quite a bit. And 
you know, my confidence level is pretty much entirely tied to Spencer Strider, how healthy he is. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I certainly believe the Braves are the favorite from this point, you know, they're, they're the better team. They proved that all year. Um, you know, Aaron Nola's tough, but after that, it gets really questionable for the Phillies in terms of pitching, especially in game four. And the Braves most likely have Morton and Wheeler, or I mean, Morton and Strider lined up for games three and four in some order. That's most likely assuming Strider's healthy. So I, I'm definitely confident. Um, but it's a five-game series. Everything can change on one game. So if the Braves come out tomorrow and you know lose, and and it's it's you know we're we're down one to two, then it changes everything. So it, you know in a five-game series, it's you just take it game to game. Really, there's really no there's no point in looking at anything other than game to game. So the the next game is going to be the most fascinating because we don't really know what the Braves are going to do on the pitching side. Um, there's been all this speculation. We don't really know what's going on with Strider, how healthy he really is versus how healthy he says he is, how confident are they in it. So it's going to be very interesting. But, yeah, game three, I mean, when when it's tied 1-1, game three is, you know, that that kind of becomes everything. So that's that's where the, the series turns to. And it's been also a bit of a break, a bit of a breath of – a bit of a uh, – what do I call it um, – it's been nice to know that with Ronald Acuna after getting hit in the elbow, um, you know, with um, Zach Wheeler on or yesterday's game, you know, there's not really been any type of talk or anything like that of it impacting him. He stayed in the game, so that's great to see. But we talk about the pitching, you know, and, and you brought it up. You know, you mentioned, you know, you've got that one bullet that you have the chance to use. We talked about that, you know, before game one with Strider. Well, I, I got that same feeling with Zach Wheeler. To your point, if they don't use him on short rest, the Phillies had one time to use him. It didn't work out. And from the pitching side of things, that's probably, I think, where Atlanta has the biggest advantage. But your thoughts on the offense? You know, we've talked about the Braves, you know, the bombs in the bullpen, home runs in the bullpen, whatever you want to call it. But the home runs haven't really played a part. Weather, balls, whatever have you may play a part in it. But it was the Phillies' offensive execution in game one, the Braves in game two. The long ball hasn't really played a part. You have to hope that that eventually arrives for this offense, just your overall thoughts of where the offense is heading to Philly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I wish a couple more guys were um, contributing, you know, it's pretty much, I tweeted this out earlier, but it's pretty much been a three man offense so far for the Braves, Acuna, Olsen and Darno. Um, the Braves have 13 hits in the series and Acuna, Olsen and Darno have 10 of them. So that means everybody else has three combined. So, you know, that's a problem. You need more than that. Um, I would love to see Austin Riley get going. You know, it's been over. It's really been a while since he's been hot. Really, you know, if you go back and look at kind of the day after he signed his extension till now, he's only he's only got like 100 WRC plus. Um, so it's been kind of a long road for him. I think he probably felt a little bit of pressure after signing that extension and is probably pressing a little. But the Braves need him. I mean, they don't need him to be the guy he was in July. Nobody can expect that. But they need him to be, you know, a middle-of-the-order bat, a threat again. And, you know, Michael Harris has had some hard-hit balls. I'm not, I'm not really that worried about him. He's had some bad luck more than anything. Um, you know, left field is still a black hole. The Braves 
just desperately need something out of Rosario or Grossman. They just haven't gotten anything this series or really all year, and it's just been a black hole all year. So overall, given that only three guys have hit, you know, being tied 1-1 is probably a good thing. Uh, but the Braves definitely need a couple more of their guys, Dansby, Riley, you know, Michael Harris to kind of break out of his bad luck streak, but they need a little bit more help. Yada. I don't think you can just rely on three guys, especially if, you know, Strider's not a hundred percent and it doesn't look like Strider. And, you know, we know Charlie's had a, a rough year and, and given up some home runs. Philadelphia is a small ballpark. So there's probably going to be a few more runs scored. You're going to need your offense to look like the Braves offense at some point. And, and for that to happen, they, they're going to need a couple of guys to step up. Obviously, seeing Acuna and Olsen hit the way they have has been extremely encouraging. You know, I think probably pound for pound, those two are still the best two hitters on the team, um, even though they haven't really had years that would represent that. I think just by pure talent, Olsen and Acuna are the two best hitters. So seeing those guys play well is, is obviously a positive, but they need some help. They need Riley. They need Swanson. They need Harris, Contreras. They need guys that have kind of contributed all year to step up and, you know, hopefully that starts game three. And the other thing that I'll say to this is, is that we saw William Contreras in game um, uh, one, but we, and, and we saw, uh, we've seen Grossman start off against uh, Suarez. And we also saw Rosario start off um, against uh, um, Wheeler, but we, we've seen, in my opinion, a bit of some quite questionable takes, you know, going with, you know, um, in game one, going with Von Grissom in place of, Grossman, um, I, you know, whatever it may have been that caused that, I would have just stuck with Grossman going with our Ozuna in, in, in game two. The thing that stands out to me, unless there's something that's, you know, impacting injury-wise or what have you, I just would keep it simple. Trust William Contreras to be your DH. Go with the Grossman versus lefties, Rosario versus righties approach, you know, platoon-wise. I think that makes sense because I still think, Stephen, that at the end of the day, whatever bottom of the order, is most productive. I think that team's going to win the series. I and I want to favor the Braves in that situation, but it, there's just times it seems just don't outthink yourself. Just trust what you started with, and it'll work itself out. Yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely some truth to that. Uh, I think Snit is probably going to. I mean, look, he's going to play Ozuna. I mean, we've. Contreras is the better hitter at this point, so I would obviously play Contreras over Ozuna. But, you know, Ozuna had a decent September. Um, you know, Snitker is famous for not only riding hot hands, but, you know, leaning on his veterans. And obviously Ozuna is much more seasoned than Contreras is. And, you know, you're kind of seeing that at second base with Arcia and, Gr and uh, Grissom. So it, I absolutely would play. I would just play the two catchers, one at catcher, one at DH, and probably just play Grossman and Rosario and left, depending on, you know, the platoon split of the starter. But um, that's not what's going to happen. I mean, Ozuna's going to play. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Ozuna's in the starting lineup on Friday. You know, whatever lineup they ran out against Wheeler and whatever logic they used to get there, I don't see why it would change for Nola since they're both right-handers. And so I, I – would almost bet that you see the exact same lineup Friday that you saw yesterday 
And listen, like that's not I'm not going to I'm not going to freak out because Ozuna is playing over Contreras. Ozuna really did have a good September and, you know, he can get hot and he can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And it's not I wouldn't do it, but it's not the most egregious thing I've ever seen. The the situation you're talking about with the pitch hitter when they pinch hit um, Grissom for Grossman, I, I, I've been I have no idea what that was. I I still don't know what that was. I, I haven't heard an explanation. That was very strange. You know, Snit doesn't really – there hasn't been a ton of situations in the series so far where, like, there's big managerial decisions to be made. So, you know, the managers really haven't played a big role. But that was a very weird call. And, you know, uh, it didn't – obviously it didn't end up mattering that much. But you never know what Grossman's going to do there. Grossman hasn't been much better lately. So I guess that was maybe Snit's thinking. But that was very weird. But overall, I expect everything that Snit did on or yesterday against Wheeler is what he'll do against Nola on Friday. Yep, and and you know the middle of the order was able to produce. You know, I know O'Reilly's did <laughs> Riley didn't exactly hit a screaming line drive, but it, but it got the job done. So we head to Philly. As we've talked about, you know, you have to feel pretty good. You know, for the Braves, you know, at the end of the day, you'd love to be up 2-0, but. You know, after we saw the start to the series, it's great to see how the Braves have bounced back. But now the big question, you know, for everybody, um, you know, Philly side, Braves side, anybody who's, you know, monitoring this series, who gets the ball in game three for the Braves? And of course, Brian Snickers being coy, you know, going with the game has been chipped as far as talking about Strider. But Stephen, I'll pose it to you this way. I think that me and you are in agreement that if Strider is anywhere close to 100%, he should get the ball with confidence and at the very least let him go two times through the Phillies order. But it changes a bit potentially strategy wise, where if you know that you really can only get two to three innings out of him comfortably in, in one stint, how does that change it for you? Do you, do you still go with him as the game three starter or do you potentially start Morton? And then you kind of kind of watch and wait and see for the most opportune time to use those two or three innings out of Strider. If you know that he probably can't go long, does he then become more of a strategy weapon for you? Or if you know you can only get those two or three innings, you'd rather wait and see where it's most effective. How, how would you approach it if Strider's a bit more limited than, than some might like? Yeah, I, I've seen this question posted, and obviously it's what everybody's been talking about since game two ended. And, the thing for me is that it doesn't actually matter to me whether Strider could go six innings or three innings because either way, in my opinion, I start him in game three because, I mean, let's just play out the hypothetical. Let's say he can go three innings. Well, okay, that's three extremely valuable innings, and then you can just use that as kind of the beginning of a bullpen game. And the way Charlie Morton's been pitching lately, like, Against Aaron Nolo, who do you feel more comfortable with? Three innings from Strider and then the Braves bullpen or Charlie Morton? And I would pick the first one. And if Strider can pitch six innings, if he can go, he's fully healthy and rested, then I would also prefer that scenario to Morton. So as long as he's healthy and can give you something in the range of three, you know, anything over three innings, then – 
I would pick Strider just because I think that gives the Braves the best chance to win. You know, game four, the Phillies are going to have a much harder time finding a pitcher. And you would think more runs would be scored in that scenario. So that might be a better place for Charlie just because he struggled with the home run ball so much this year. So in my opinion, it actually doesn't matter whether Strider can pitch you know, three, three innings or four innings or five innings or six innings, any of those options I would take in game three over Morton. And if it's only three innings, just use the bullpen and you're, you'll be coming off an off day. The bullpen will be rested. They only had to pitch three guys yesterday because Kyle Wright went six innings. So I don't, I have yet to hear an argument for why Strider shouldn't pitch tomorrow. That makes sense to me. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. Instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. That that makes perfect sense. And, and the other reason why I think that you're okay starting Strider is I know that after the Braves went down one to nothing, rightfully so, everybody made the case that hey, with Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola back-to-back, you know, the Phillies, they're favored over the next two games, which makes sense. That speaks to Nola. That speaks to Wheeler's talent level. But there's a familiarity factor there for the Braves with Wheeler and with Nola. I believe that both those pitchers, those are the two pitchers the Braves have seen the most innings from out of any other opposing pitchers, I believe, since Wheeler came to Philly. I may be wrong on that, but they're, they're up there on that list. But when I talk about that familiarity factor, as effective and as awesome as Wheeler and Nola are overall, the numbers don't necessarily show it that much against the Braves because the Braves have seen them so much. Aaron Nola, over his past nine games against the Braves, three or more earned runs six of those nine times, including four or more in five of those games. He's allowed 19 home runs in his last 15 starts against Atlanta, and a lot of these starts have been in Philadelphia. So that's one thing that stands out to me, Stephen, is that as awesome as Wheeler and Nola are, they're not likely as effective against the Braves as they are against other teams because the Braves see them so often. I think that's what helped in game three. I think that could play a factor or in game two. I think that could play a factor again in game three once they face Nola, especially if they can lay off the knuckle curve. Yeah, I mean, obviously they've seen Nola a million times. I mean, the problem is you can say the same thing about the Phillies and Charlie Morton, right? I mean, they have that kind of familiarity with him and he hasn't pitched well against them the last few times. So, I mean, yeah, anytime you're playing a division rival in the playoffs, 
there's no secrets. I mean, the Braves, I'm sure, knew exactly what was coming against Wheeler and the Phillies had a very good game plan against Max Fried in game one, and they'll probably have a very good game plan against – the Braves will probably have a very good game plan against Nola in game three. I mean, there's no – yeah, there's no there's no secrets. There's no tricking people. It just comes down to execution. And, and that's almost why I would even more so pick Strider because – there's just a lot less comfort, a, a lot less familiarity and nowhere near as much comfort in facing him for the Phillies lineup as there is facing Morton. And like I said, even if Strider can only give you three innings or four innings and then you go bullpen game after that, that's very uncomfortable to deal with as an offense. I mean, bullpen games are tough. And even if the bullpen's got to cover five innings or you know, six innings, whatever it is, that's tough on an offense. That's tough for the Phillies. And so I don't, yeah, I, maybe it's, maybe it's because I'm so much higher on Strider than I guess other people are, but even, even if he can't pitch that well, I mean, even if he can't pitch that long, as long as he can pitch, as long as he's him um, and he's not hurt to the point where he's not going to be effective, then that's what I would go with. And, I do agree that I, I think the Braves offense will have some success against Nola. They usually do. Um, I know Acuna's tagged him for a few home runs. Um, you know, everybody's seen him so much. So that's why that's even more of a reason why I would go with Strider and sort of a quasi bullpen game if he can't, you know, make a normal start. You bring up an excellent point. If the familiarity factor plays a role in the Braves having success against Nola, well, then the lack of familiarity that they have against Strider, and we know that Strider, we've seen the numbers, um, it's been incredible, you know, 27 or so innings this year, and then some arms that you don't see regularly in the bullpen, I, I think it makes perfect sense. And at the end of the day, Stephen, I think that's really what really stands out, is that if the Braves can keep it close or have the lead, late into games, you just you have to have the confidence because that, to me, is clearly the one area. I know that the Phillies' bullpen has gotten a little bit better in time, but the bullpen is where the Braves clearly had the advantage. It showed up in game – heck, it showed up even in game one for the bullpen to keep it close with you know the, the non-main guys keeping it close for the Braves to come back and then obviously the dominance in game two – but if you can at least keep it close to the mid part of the game, the Braves have to feel confident that their bullpen will play out as being, again, a big reason why they'll win this playoff series. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. The bullpen's been phenomenal. The bullpen's been a strength all year. It's one of the reasons the Braves won 101 games and won the division because they have one of the best bullpens in baseball. They went and got, you know, Rocio Iglesias, and he's been – better than I ever could have imagined he's been. Dylan Lee has really developed as a as a really strong bullpen piece. Um, Colin McHugh has been great. So, yeah, it's a strength. Um, and if you're the Braves, try to get a lead after five and make the Phillies beat your bullpen, right? That should be the formula. Even, you know, even for whether it's Strider or Morton in game three or in whichever the other one pitches game four, just try to get the lead, try to hold on for five innings with your starter, and then make the Phillies beat your bullpen. And if they can do it, then tip your cap. But that's that's where your advantage is. And the only interesting caveat to that is, you know, today is the only day off of the series. And that means games three, four, and five 
even with the travel between games four and five are all on consecutive days. And so how you use your bullpen is going to be very interesting knowing you don't get another off day until the series is over. So, you know, for the guys in the bullpen who've never pitched three days in a row before or very rarely do it, um, how do they, how do both sides handle that? Uh, that's going to be interesting. That's going to, you know, if this game, if this series ends up going five, the fact that there's no off day between games four and five, it's a big deal just because of rest and travel, but it's a really big deal because of the bullpens. And a lot of the Braves guys, generally speaking, don't go three days in a row and have it all year. And so that's going to be a big story if, you know, the Braves, if the if these two teams split the two games in Philly, coming back to game five, who's available, who's not. And that's all you have to kind of plan that ahead as you use your guys in games three and four. So how each manager handles that is going to – matter quite a bit for the rest of the series. Absolutely. I agree completely. And, and you know, we as, as we wrap up here, but Stephen and I talking about game three, looking at this, Stephen, you know, I'll, I'll ask you your X factor. And for me, this may be a bit of an odd X factor, but I just, I think that the Braves, lack of a better way of putting it, just kind of smell blood in the water. And what I mean by that is, is that we saw, how focused, how good, how just crisp they were against the Mets, against uh, uh, Scherzer, then DeGrom, then Bassett in this weekend sweep, you know, a couple weekends ago that led to them winning the division title. If they could just put one game to that level of effectiveness together for this game three, I just feel that they, they know that if they do that, they know that if they could get game three, there, there just has to be utmost confidence that they'll be able to close this out without issue. And so that's kind of my X factor is just that the Braves have proof that they they just beat Wheeler. They consistently are beating aces. I think they can do it once again, especially with what could come after that with, you know, kind of the Phillies really having no other answer after they've gone through their two aces. To me, that's the X factor. What what stands out to you as potentially being, you know, a, a not at the forefront of most people's minds reasons why the Braves could, could get it done on Friday? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you always, you know, playoff baseball is so random. If you told anybody that this, the hero of game one was going to be Nick Castellanos and his, you know, in his defense, then that, you know, I don't think a lot of people would have believed you. So playoffs are just so random. You have no idea who's going to step up, but the Braves need, I mean, if you're looking for an X factor, the Braves need Austin Riley to be Austin Riley. I, they might be able to beat the Phillies without him, but they're not going to go very far unless Austin kind of finds it again. Um, and then the other one is Charlie Morton, like which we haven't seen Charlie pitch yet in the playoffs. He was obviously a stud last year and, and helped them win a World Series. And which Charlie Morton shows up, you know, the guy from last year or the guy from – you know, the last few months that's been kind of shaky. And, you know, if Charlie Morton can can look like vintage Charlie, then how good Spencer Strider is, is not as big a deal, right? I mean, if you know that Charlie Morton's going to go out and give you five, six solid innings and not lose the game in the second or third inning, then you can be really flexible with Strider because you don't absolutely have to have him. But if, you know, if they throw Charlie in game three, he gets lit up and they lose then how good Spencer Strider is becomes a really, really, really big deal. So, 
You know, that's probably the main answer, honestly, is Charlie Morton. How good is Charlie? Which Charlie Morton shows up? Because if it's the one from last year, then the Braves can still win this in four. I mean, if 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 that guy shows up, then, you know, it would go a long way to helping the Braves win this series when the Phillies don't really have their pitching lined up the way they want it. So whether it's game three or game four, the Braves need Austin Riley to hit and they need they need vintage Charlie Morton. The one other thing that I'll add to that, I think, because, you know, it made a difference in, in game two, the, the play by Dansby Swanson, the play by Austin Riley, the, the lack of execution on the first hit, the, the first run-producing hit by Matt Olson, by uh, Reese Hoskins. Um, I think defense also stands out. If there was to be an actual aspect of the game, I think the defensive advantage also could play a part in the brace. At the end of the day, you've got past what I think is the uh, Phillies' best option at pitcher, and Wheeler, at the end of the day, I just think that the Braves being just a bit better than the Phillies in kind of all aspects of it, one of those aspects is going to stand out as being super important. And I think it's going to go in the Braves' favor, and I think that's at least why they should be able to win game three. But, of course, if they don't, I still think that they'll be able to, to push it to a game five. Stephen, any other thoughts that you have as we wrap up this edition of the Daily Hammer looking at game three later on today? Hopefully the Braves can get the job done. We can be in a good position and hopefully close this out this weekend and make another appearance in the NLCS for the third straight season. No, I, I the biggest part of the game will be the first three innings. I think if the Braves can, you know, Kyle Wright really shut down the lineup and the first three innings gave the offense time, even as good as Wheeler was pitching, you know, if you just put up zeros, then the Phillies know that they're just a few more innings away from getting to the Braves bullpen which they don't want to be in. And, and so, you know, Charlie coming out, putting up zeros, or if it's Charlie or Strider, whoever, I guess, whoever they end up picking, but whoever it is coming out first three innings, put up zeros, give your offense a chance to, to hit Nola. um, Then you have your best chance of winning. So those first three innings of, of game three are going to be, I think the most important. If you were to break down, you know, the game itself into segments, one of the things that has stood out, and it's coming to fruition again in this playoff series. Stephen, back me up on this. If if you you feel that I'm wrong, please let me know. But the other thing that stands out about the Braves is that as these games move on, it just feels like it plays to the Braves' favor. Last year in the playoffs, the early innings offense really wasn't there. It was the Braves coming back late, getting clutch hits, game-winning hits, big home runs late that won them games, of course, being in the position of that, supported by the bullpen. They've done it these first two games. Coming back in game one, late execution, I believe it was in the sixth inning of game two. That's another thing that stands out, is that if they can limit the Phillies, they can keep the Phillies quiet early in the game. And as this game goes on, I think that it's going to favor the Braves and that the offense, the Braves' late-inning offense in the playoffs has been a really big reason why they've had so much success over the past few years. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, I have supreme confidence that the Braves can outplay just about any team after the fifth inning, Um, not only because of how good their bullpen is, but also how well the team hits off other people's bullpen. They just play really well after the fifth inning, they, they beat a lot of people that way. But in turn, that makes everything that happens before the fifth inning probably the most important part of the game. And that's why I say 
Like if, if whoever pitches game three, if they can get through those first few innings, putting up zeros and just give the offense time to get a couple times through the order, we know that eventually the dam is going to break. The offense is going to break through. They just, you can't lose the game in the first few innings. Like, like Max did in game one, you know, just put up zeros, give the offense a chance to see the pitcher a couple times and let the offense and the bullpen kind of take the game home. So yeah, I completely agree with you. That's why I, I mean, that's why I think the first three, two, three, four innings are the most important of the game. If the Braves can get to that point, just even, they don't even have to win it there. If they can just get there even, then I have supreme confidence that the team can outplay anybody from that point to the end. It just goes to make even more impressive the performance that Kyle Wright was. Man, he was it, to go against Wheeler in that situation. It was it was awesome, awesome to see Kyle Wright. And, of course, we want to thank each and every one of our listeners for being awesome, for being with us here on this edition of the Daily Hammer. This is what we enjoy doing the most. It's playoff baseball. It's the Braves. It's the chance to take control of the series and move on to the NLCS for the third straight time. And it's just Braves fans talking baseball. That's why we love to do this so much. Stephen, can't thank you enough for joining us, sir, and I look forward to, to catching back up with you. Hopefully the next time we'll talk. It'll be looking forward to, to the next stage of the playoffs. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Game three tomorrow, we'll have a podcast. Um, we'll have some sort of recap podcast, and then same with game four, we'll have some sort of recap podcast. So tune into the site, check out the network. Um, yeah, we'll have it covered kind of wire to wire. His name is Stephen Tolbert, of course, one of the, the best minds when it comes to Braves Twitter, breaking down all aspects of the game. You can find him at B underscore outliers. Also find his great content at batterypower.com as well as with Chris Willis on the podcast to be named later. My name is Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter, also on the Daily Hammer, and you can find the Battery Power podcast, Road to Atlanta podcast, all at batterypower.com, at batterypowersbn, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. For Stephen Tolbert, my name is Sean Coleman. Go Braves! Let's get the W tomorrow and get this series wrapped up this weekend. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Battery Power Podcast Network.